If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. The Lake Boda murders is one of the most infamous unsolved homicide cases in Finnish history. Four teenagers went out to enjoy a night of camping and were mysteriously attacked while sleeping in their tent. Only one would survive. Despite an extensive investigation, the person responsible for these heinous murders has yet to be found. I'm Ben, and you are listening to Wicked and Grim. A true crime podcast. Hello, hello. We we don't have any can opening this morning. Cheers. Because it is the morning it's right morning. now. It's morning. This is a rarity for us that we're uh, recording this first thing in the, in the, in the AM. Say, nick of dawn? Is that the saying? The, <laughs> the nick of dawn? What is the saying? I think you're trying to like say like the nick of time and like at dawn. At what the is the time. saying though with dawn though? Rise of dawn? Yeah, the rise, rise of, dawn. of dawn. There you go. There we go. That was an interesting combination. I actually kind of like my my version better. At the nick of dawn. <laughs> Are you thinking like the crack of dawn maybe? Maybe the crack of crack of dawn? Ass crack of dawn? I don't know. Funny story, my dad's name is Dawn. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You just made that weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, so uh, welcome to Wicked and Grim. Yeah. We are, um Retired. <laughs> We're uh, recording this a couple days early because now Ben is going on on a little vacay, little yeah. holiday. And we we thought, you know, what, we just did a, a Q&A break episode, so we probably shouldn't break episode again. So we pushed through and Nicole pulled basically an all nighter to get this episode done for us tonight while I was getting ready for my vacation. Yeah, there we go. So thank you for that. What else do you have to talk about? What do you got? Ooh, we did a, uh, a pretty fun... Um, vote on instagram oh, oh that's malarkey <laughs> that was bullshit uh the competition was really unfair there like i'm sorry i yeah that well w- to to lay down the foundation for this the expectations were that i was gonna get my ass, ass handed, handed to, to me we knew that <laughs> um if you didn't know the last episode um i bought some knockoff pit vipers for my vacation right um, so super cheap, super god awful. I look like a complete tool, but 
I wore them while we were recording last episode. Oh man, the whole episode. <laughs> it was actually worse for me. It, I had the worst part in all of this. I, that was terrible. I had no problem with it. I couldn't it. even see your eyeballs. It sucked. Huh. I, again, I had no problem with it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, anyways, we decided to do a little who wore it best over on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think it was posted on Facebook as well, but the, the poll was on Instagram itself. Yeah. Yeah. And it was who wore it best between myself and, and little Ripley, our little, th- I was going to say four, but I think she's still only three, three-year-old Husky. Yep. Who's um, cute as hell. <laughs> the results, not surprising. I kicked Ripley's ass. No, I'm just kidding. Ripley <laughs> kicked mine hand Overfoot, uh, 94% to 6%. I did have 6% of the votes. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. I had what? Was it like 14 votes or something like that? I think you'd a bit more than that. Well, thank you to those. Yeah. Pe- I can't go into the analytics right now, but yeah. I'm not going to waste that time. But thank you to those people who did vote. <laughs> I literally have looked through all your names and I made a mental <laughs> note. You guys are now in my good books. You earned some brownie oh points. Oh my gosh. I think the biggest problem was the fact that I voted for Ripley. <laughs> yes. That is my issue with this whole <laughs> that thing. That was Ben's main issue. Okay. No, but I didn't. I tied my vote. So I have two accounts because I have like my personal and then I have my business. And I voted for each of you, which I thought was very fair. I love you both. Yeah, it is very fair if it was a fair fight. (laughs) However, we already said we knew I was going to get my ass kicked. So I thought (laughs) I would be able to depend on your support. You did. You got my one vote. And Ripley got your other. That's that's bullshit. Yeah, that was uh, that was the thing that actually made Ben the most uh, upset there. So I, it was malarkey. I failed through and through. I thought it was kind of funny though. Anyway, we also have a few lovely patrons. Patrons, patrons. I always like mix patrons up that. over on Patreon. Patrons on Patreon to thank this week. Um, Say that ten times fast. Patrons no on Patreon. And um, just a side note too, like we said, we are recording early, so if you do sign up, then um, in the time being, then you'll we'll thank you next week. Yeah, pretty much. You'll just be you'll be thanked eventually because we're recording early and exactly. I'm gone for a week. Exactly. So yeah. We will catch up on you. You will get your shout out. Don't worry about that. So the three we do have to shout out this week are Mimu Wama. Love that name, by the mm-hmm. way. That's awesome. Um, Deborah Morels. I hope I said her last name right. She did tell us over in Patreon how to pronounce her first name. So I'm glad she did that. Thank awesome. you. Her first name or her last name? Her first name. Because oh, she's got okay. like a little like asterisk over the E and stuff. Oh, so you, sometimes it's like okay. you never know how it's okay. like really pronounced. Yep. Uh, so she clarified for us. Awesome. Um, and Katie Johnson. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Katie, love your name. It was easy to pronounce. I had no question about it. So thank you for that. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. That's so awesome. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, and I do want to tell everyone about a contest we're currently running over on Patreon as well while you're here uh, for the next week. So it's going to be what was the date again? It's next Friday, which I think was the 12th. No, the 9th. It's uh, up Ninth, until yeah. Friday, September the 9th. We want people over on Patreon to, you know, do a little thing, send us a little email with it all. I can't, I can't tell you guys because you got to be a Patreon to find it out. But um, yeah, if you want to find out the cool giveaway where you can win an exclusive shirt, you can become part of Patreon. If you don't though, don't want to sign up for Patreon, don't want to go over there. Totally cool. We still love you just as the same. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Just being here and listening is awesome. So yeah. thank you. Okay. Should we get into this? We've yeah. rambled for like five minutes already. So I just have like a disclaimer, I suppose, is that um, 
there's a lot of hard names to pronounce in here. So as always, we're going to do our Stay best. Stay wicked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny. This is actually a case that I feel like Ben would probably have done and chosen. So I'm basically Ooh. being Ben today, but with a little bit less. You need to wear douchey sunglasses. With a little bit less able to pronounce. Is that how you'd word that? I guess. With lack of pronunciation. Ben with a little less lack of pronunciation. <laughs> and no douchey sunglasses. Yeah. No, I just have my normal uh, my normal glasses. I Your normal my, spectacles. My, my computer. Okay. okay. Oh, my gosh. This was actually kind of an interesting one to um, research. I enjoyed this. So not that I enjoyed what happened, but it was just a bit interesting. So today we are talking about the Lake Bodum murders. So I've never even heard of this one. I know, which is mind-blowing. So Lake Bodum is a Finnish lake loca located near the city of Espo and 20 kilometers, so 12 miles, west of the Finnish capital, um, Helsinki. It des it's described as a large, tranquil lake surrounded by small villages and stands of birch and pine trees. The lake does measure approximately three kilometers in length and one kilometer in width. So it's not like a huge lake. Definitely not huge, but it sounds like a good size. Yeah. And birch and pine trees, that sounds like glorious country. Yeah, like it sounds it sounds great. So on Saturday, June 4th, 1960, four teenagers arrived at the south shore of Lake Bodum to enjoy a night of camping together. The group would consist of two couples. So we have Seppo Boisman, um, Anya Mackey, who went by her middle name Tulinki, um, being one of the couple, mm -hmm. and then Nils Gustafson and Myla Bjorklund being the other. So both boys were 18 and the girls being 15. Two things here. Um, A, well done in that pronunciation. Thank you. <laughs> and two, I'm pretty sure this is how every horror movie in the 80s started. Uh, <laughs> actually, I never even thought of that shit. Yeah. It's like some couples going out camping to this uh, lake in the woods. I never even thought of that. And honestly, this is 110% yeah. a horror story. Um, all or they horror need, movie or whatever you want to say. There you go. All they need now is a cabin and the Necronomicon and you have Evil Dead. Or all you need now is like a camp with cabins and you have Friday the 13th. Like, Wow, yeah. we're really setting the mood here for this thing. Eh? <laughs> My gosh. Okay, so they arrived at the lake on the boys' motorcycles. They leaned them up, up against two trees to park and went about pitching their light-covered tent for the night. And so to describe, I guess, the tent, it's kind of one of those ones that has like a string in the middle and then the tents like how would like those like triangular the triangular ones, ones. Okay. yeah and it's very and it's light colored it seemed like it was a bit small for four people so they kind of had to like cozy in there you know so seppo was the oldest of the group he had turned 18 in january and was working as an apprentice electrician nils who was um, best friends with Seppo since they were like around 12 years old or so, mm -hmm. had turned 18 less than a month before the camping trip. And he too was taking a similar, similar path as Seppo as an electrician. So they seem like they're very close boys and like grew up, I guess, a little bit together in their teen years anyway. And then we're taking a, a similar path as adults. Um, so Tulinki was the youngest of the group. She just celebrated her 15th birthday three months prior to the trip. Her father had been against the camping trip, but she was able to get her mother to persuade him into letting her go. I mean, rightfully so. Rightfully yeah, so. Yeah, 
I, I they get were that. still in high school and these boys weren't right. They're 18 so. and with 15. I mean, like retrospect, yeah, three years difference isn't very big. But I mean, for that age, at that age, three years is a fair, fairly big gap. Yeah. So, and then finally, we had uh, Myla. There was some speculation the group may be out there celebrating her birthday as she was just two days shy of turning 16. So Tulinki and Milo were also best friends. So kind of cool, like that they're all just like, I don't know, I love that. It's hard to have like good couple friends, right? So. Yeah. Usually it's like couples are like the guy is friends with the guy because it's like the girls are friends mm -hmm. and vice versa. It's like not always do you find people who are actually all friends. Exactly. And it just had worked out that way because one of the couples started dating and then introduced the other and then they kind of started liking each other too. And, yeah. And there we went. So yeah. You had to find a relationship between individuals and just have everyone be chill with it. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. So after setting up camp, the two girls decided to go for a swim while the boys enjoyed some bevies. Some bevies? Some bevies. There's um, an entry in Myla's diary from the evening where she wrote that Seppo and Nils were drunk. They were up at 2 a.m. and that Seppo had gone fishing. So from my understanding, the two girls didn't necessarily partake in drinking that night and that the couples did go to bed around midnight, um, but Seppo got up in the middle of the night to go fishing, which I can kind of explain here in a sec. One article I read, it mentioned it was a white night. Do you know what that is? I had no idea what that was. White night. No. So which is when the sun dips just below the horizon and the light has like a grayish quality. Mm-hmm. It's almost like someone dialed down the brightness for a few hours. So it explains why he might have been up, maybe having trouble fishing or sorry, sleeping because it wasn't totally dark out and that he could still see enough to go fishing. Okay, gotcha. So, huh. yeah. Interesting. Um, so then the sun would rise again at four in the morning. And that's about that until sometime between the hours of four and six a.m., when it's believed the incident or attack occurred. Oh, shit. So the discovery isn't quite cut and dry. There's a few stories out there, but the most common one I went with, and it seems to go as follows. You literally have me like on the edge of my seat right now. I'm so like, <laughs> like what the fuck happens here? Oh, uh, it's not good, dude. It's not good. So at 6 a.m. on June 5th, when the boys were out, or sorry, two boys, this is separate boys, 6 a.m. June 5th, Two boys were out early bird watching. From a distance, they could see the teen's campsite, which at this point was just a collapsed tent. And they also claimed that they saw a blonde man walking away from the site. It isn't until sometime later, though, around 11 a.m., that the actual gruesome scene is discovered. It was discovered by a man named Esco, who alerted the police. Um, and when the police did arrive on the scene, it was about noon. So it's quite a bit sometime later. Now, the scene that Esco discovered and that the police were faced with was horrifying, to say the least. Outside the tent was Nils, who thankfully was still alive. He was unconscious and definitely injured, but alive. Apparently, it wasn't until the police got to the scene that it was even realized that he was still alive. Oh, wow. Now, inside the collapsed tent were the bodies of Seppo and Tulinki, with Mila's body being draped over the um, slashed and blood-soaked tent. 
The killer had not injured the teens from inside the tent, but had attacked them from outside using a knife and an unidentified blunt object, possibly a rock. Fuck. This is literally straight out of a horror movie. So they, what had happened apparently is like, they cut the strings of the tent. So the tent collapsed on the teens and then they went to town murdering them. Fuck. Like you would be like that. That is just horrifying to think. No kidding. So the murder weapons to this day have not been found. All four teenagers suffered serious blows to the head with said blunt object and had broken jaws. Both Seppo and Mila had been stabbed, with Mila's, Mila's injuries being significantly more brutal than the others. She was found undressed from the waist down and was stabbed 15 times with some of the wounds inflicted after she had already died. Fuck. Several items that should have been at the crime scene weren't, which puzzled detectives, including the keys to the boys' motorcycles, but the motorcycles themselves were still left behind. Wallets, watches, and items of clothing were also taken. And belongings were scattered around, including Nils' shoes, which were hidden approximately 500 meters from the murder site under, like, I think it was like a rock or something. Okay. So as it, as it can happen, unfortunately, there are many errors within the investigation. Uh, of, course, of course. Can I, can I stop you for a second and kind of tell you where my mind is going? Sure. Sure. I think this is uh, a vagrant of sort. I think it's some individual who lives out in the woods. Um, it seems like he found an opportunity, like maybe he's not, doesn't like people, not used to people. Maybe he literally grew up as a fucking child out in the bush alone. I don't know. But someone who's out in the bush and doesn't like people, doesn't see them as people, just saw them as an opportunity to take things for himself. So things like shoes that he grabbed and then realized, oh, they don't really fit. Or maybe I'm going to stow them for later or something like that. Took these odds and ends. He doesn't know how to drive a motorbike, a motorbike at all. So he just took things and went off to wherever he lived. Hmm. Interesting. That's kind of where my, my mind's going right now. But I, there's more details to come, I'm sure. So that well, very well could change. Well, and did I say that this is unsolved? You did. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, there are like four, four uh, theories, suspects, I suppose, that we'll go through. So this is like totally a Ben case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love these ones where you get to like have theories and you get and to, your mind gets kind of wander and figure it out. And yeah, stuff. you get to like talk about it and try and think and come up with possibilities and well, what if and yeah, it's it's intriguing. Totally, yeah, it absolutely is. And the biggest thing is because it, it really gets you talking about the psyche of individuals. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, sure, okay, an individual does a heinous crime and they they take someone's life, they go to court and they're in jail. Most of the time. There's not much to really ask questions about as far as why. Sometimes they say it. Sometimes it's pretty cut and dry or sometimes it's just they're really weird. Or or they could be throwing you right off and saying yeah. like something completely But even off. still, the questions are much more narrow because you know who it is. You know the time. You know everything. Yeah. When you don't know these things, you start – you need to ask these broad questions to even begin to narrow it down. And that idea of these broad questions to try and understand what the fuck – is is crazy wild to me well yeah and even with this case so 
I mean, there isn't an, even a ton known because, well, three of the four victims are deceased mm-hmm. and the one has a head, had a head injury. And then as I'm about to go through, like the police kind of botched fu- it, fucked up a bit here. So, okay. Well, let's hear how badly fucked up. Um, okay. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. So the police did not quarantine off the area and they failed to take official records of their findings. Wait, to put it vaguely here. You good? <laughs> that's literally like those are your first steps. They're that's like your jobs. So basically, once the police did leave, the crime scene wasn't blocked off whatsoever. So curious onlookers and careless campers were able to trample around and disturb the murder scene, further contaminating the dis- the site and disturbing any precious evidence that may have been left behind from the initial search. That is wild. Once the mistake was realized, they called the military in to help, so invited more people onto the crime scene <laughs> to assist with looking for evidence and missing items like the murder weapons. Searches of the lake was done with metal detectorists, I think is how you say it, and um, archaeological digs as the, si- as the site never uncovered any missing items. So like the weapons, like all those people coming in there, nothing was ever discovered. And it said that maybe onlookers could have like taken something, right? Like curious, yeah. a souvenir potentially, or like the police might have even like lost some of the things. Yeah. So, or potentially someone could have maybe taken it thinking it's like, oh, someone lost this. I wonder if I can find the owner. Think, not even thinking it's related to the crime scene. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I found someone's keys. I wonder who these are. And then to top it all off, many of the items which were collected were so soaked in the victim's blood. So the evidence that may have been left on them was destroyed. Wow. So like it was literally like what was collected really, you know, what? I don't know. It was just from the beginning, just fucked for a lack of better words yeah so once nils who they had kind of put some pressure on the sole survivor of the teens had recovered enough he was interviewed by the police regarding the incident like mm-hmm. maybe he remembers some things he remembered very little to nothing about the attack or much of the prior evening he was drinking right and he yeah. had suffered a head head injury so it's not to be completely unexpected but it was definitely disappointing The one thing that he did remember, though, was a blonde man who he glimpsed through one of the rips in the tent during the attack, which was interesting because the boys out bird watching said they saw a blonde man walking away from the site at around 6 a.m. that morning. Mm -hmm. And there was another potential witness, Olavi, who was 14 years old and fishing at the time. That also saw a, bl- a blonde man roughly between 20 to 30, around 5 foot 8 inches tall, running from the location of the tent around 6 a.m. as well. Oh, shit. So, yeah. So, well, that's something. I, I would say that is most likely our man. Yes, I would say so, too. So, police allegedly interviewed around 4,000 people. Holy shit. So, though they botched the crime scene, they did seem to put in their effort in regards to interviewing people. But that's a lot of people. <laughs> that seems absurd to say they interviewed 4,000. How could 4,000 people even I don't begin know. to be correlated to this? Well, I mean, they're, yeah, rumors maybe are spreading. Then they're just like chit-chatting to people even on like their doorstep. Like who knows? I don't know how they got to that number. Still, but 4,000 is a lot. Yeah. 
So the lives of Seppo, Mila, and Tulinki were celebrated on June 13th. Their white coffins were covered in sweet pea blossoms with the teens being buried together. I like that. I know. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Well, they're all friends, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. And they went through something incredibly tragic together. So, yeah. yeah. So that brings us to the list of potential suspects. Really, like there's not a lot that's known here. And there's four of them. So in no particular order, we'll start with Carl Gilstrom, also referred to as the kiosk keeper or kiosk man, being that he ran a small wooden summer kiosk at Udala Beach. I might be, I botched that, sorry. Just a few hundred meters from where the teens were camping that night, and he also lived close by. So did no one hear any fucking screams or no. anything? Even the people that were out there and stuff, no one apparently heard anything. Wow. Which I find very odd. That is. Because I was thinking like this was... Because the lake's quite... not that lo- big. Well, yeah. And I was kind of almost thinking he was a little bit more secluded. But by the sounds of it, this guy's only like a few hundred meters away, you said. the bird... This guy? Yeah. Um, He lived close by. Oh. His kiosk or whatever. Yeah, but I don't know if he would have been at his kiosk oh, I guess, at the yeah. time, right? Like it was very early in the morning. Fair so. enough. The only thing I was thinking was like the bird watchers. I'm like, did they not hear the screams? But then I was also like, well, they're probably a distracted and maybe, you know, thinking maybe it was a bird off in the distance. And that's what drew their attention to looking that way to the camp. Who knows? But but you would think that it would be it would have been very loud. I would think so. Or and, people being murdered. So sound travels across water very well. I know. I kind of thought of that, too, but I couldn't. Nothing really ever said anything about that. It just said that. For example, the the one little boy fisherman who was 14 didn't hear anything. Hmm. So, so many locals suspected Carl because he was known to be hostile towards campers. One local man, Ulf Johansson, he's a local author and councilman, would tell Finland News website that no local would have camped in that place where the four camped. The locals knew that kiosk man would cut the tent strings so that the tent fell down, laughed out loud, and left. This is what the kiosk man always did if someone dared to set up a tent on the site. He chased away everyone who came there to camp. He claimed that Carl had mental health issues so severe that he was admitted to hospital during World War II and on top of all of that also had a drinking problem. Holy shit. And he was territorial over his section of the lakeshore. And this person, Johansson, being of similar age to the murdered kids, said Carl hit him in the back with a rock one day as he cycled along the road to the lake past Carl's kiosk. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Holy shit. Okay. So either, in my mind, we have our individual... Or we have someone who did it like him, knowing that it would be pinned on him. Yeah. It gets, there's more here. It gets worse with him. So Nils and Seppo apparently bought lemonade from Carl on June 4th, the day they arrived at the lake. Police, however, found no evidence to link him to the murders and accepted his alibi. Um, And his wife backed up his alibi, saying that he was at home asleep with her, like in bed. 
But in 1969, so nine years later, after the murders, while drunk one night, Carl allegedly admitted to committing the murders to a neighbor, saying, You bloody idiot, don't you realize I'm the Bodum murderer? What am I going to do? In August of that year, after a three-day drinking binge, Carl actually drowned in Lake Bodum, most likely by suicide. Police dismissed his confession due to his drunken state, and they considered him disturbed. However, I'm not too sure when, but as his wife was on her deathbed, she recanted her alibi, saying she gave a false alibi and that she believed her husband actually committed the murders. Well, what the fuck? We have our guy. <laughs> I mean, it seems very... I don't know. So the wife believes he did it and yep. falsified her alibi. He, he confessed. confessed in a drunken stupor and the police shrugged it off because he was drunk. And yet when people are drunk, that's usually when they're the most honest. He already had an aggressive tendency towards campers. Like he didn't seem like he was a happy man. And some of the things that he did in the past link up to things that happened in this crowd. We have our fucking dude case closed podcast done. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to listen anymore. I know that one's very convincing. Hey, I'm sorry, but I I'm sold. You're sold. I don't think that there's you don't any even other want option. to hear any of the oh, other I, ones. I want to hear, but I'm almost <laughs> guaranteeing you that I will not be have my mind changed. Okay. Well, I should note though. Carl was dark haired. He didn't have blonde hair, but some have said it was him. They saw back from the murder scene that night and we're just too afraid to call the police about him. So I don't know. That's what we have about Carl, but some of not cool, Carl. Oh my gosh. This is a fucking thing. <laughs> yes, it is. The wow. Thing. Someone was like, you need to make a t-shirt of that. I'd wear that shit. But then you run into someone in real life that's named Carl and they'll be like, what do you mean? And, that, and you, you just look at them and just be like, not cool, Carl. And you walk away. <laughs> and you leave the situation. This merch is going to happen. It's going to be a shirt that says not cool, Carl. It would be pretty funny. Okay. So another suspect would be Hans As Asman. Is that how you would say that? Asman, Asman. It's Asman or Asman. We have a funeral home with the same. Okay, I think we've mentioned this before. It's a terrible name for a funeral home. But um, Asman's funeral. Asman's funeral chapel, which actually was uh, featured on Ellen at one point. Oh, seriously? Yeah, they were going through some memes or something, and a picture of it was brought up, and she's like, "Asman's funeral chapel, taking care of you in the bitter end." Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's quite the thing. So it actually, they pronounce it Asman, but I think. I don't know if Hans was Asman. I don't know. I'll probably go back and forth. Asman's funnier. <laughs> we don't necessarily want to just say, hey, let's talk about the funny things in true crime. Well, this is a suspect, though, so we don't care about him. Well, I mean, we're not going to assume he's guilty. I suppose. Fine. I'll be nicer. Asman, I'll call him. Well, whatever it is. <laughs> okay. So Asman was blonde. Okay. There's one thing. Okay, I'm sold. This is the guy. The, now, yeah, you're changing, <laughs> you're changing your course here. So, and he was 36 years old. So fit the description the investigators had. And he also lived close to the lake. Something I haven't mentioned yet is that both Nils and Ulavi, I really hope I'm saying that right. The 14-year-old that was fishing went under hypnosis to see what they could remember. And they described a man who had actually quite a resemblance 
to Aspen. You didn't tell me that they did hypnosis. Now, so there's more info. There's oh. a lot more information, Ben. You might have spoken way too fucking soon. I thought you had given all the information on the case, and now it was just information no. on the individuals to come. No, I like, okay. I like to sprinkle it all throughout. You okay. know that. Okay, so I, I might change my mind then if more information Actually, you comes might. Up. So, oddly enough, Asmin had gone to the Helsinki hospital the day after the murders, too, suffering from stomach complaints. It was noted that his fingernails were quite dirty, like basically black. His clothes were covered in dirt, and there also seemed to be a reddish stain appearing on them that a lot of people thought was blood. Hospital staff reported that Asmin was drunk and acting nervous and aggressive. Police did question him, but dismissed him as a suspect, being that he was with his girlfriend and two other people in Helsinki overnight and the following morning. His clothes were apparently never tested for blood, which is terrible. Okay, but he does have an alibi, though. He does have an alibi. So though Asman didn't necessarily have a motive to murder the teens, he has also been linked to other unsolved murders of people in Finland. Oh, shit. So the murder of 17-year-old Kulinki Sori on the west coast of Finland in May 1953 and a double killing of campers in North Karelia, Finland in July 1959. A series of popular books theorized that Asman committed the Lake Boda murders and these others, speculating that he may be a serial killer that's never been caught. He died in 1998. Now, this is a side note, but I need to put it in his section. There's a photograph that surfaced from the funeral. It's a crowd of people, and within the the crowd is a person with quite a resemblance to the drawing that was done up from Nils describing what the attacker looked like while he was under his hypnosis. From the what funeral story exactly? Like the funeral of the teens. Okay. So the identity of this mysterious man does remain unknown, but some do believe that it looks like Asman. And sources say Asman wasn't in attendance at the funeral though. And I can show you this photo. So this is the photo of the man. It's actually like, he. it looks like so weird. That's the funeral photo of the man. Okay, interesting. That's really hard to see. That's like a super old photo and looks It's very old. And then I'm going to show you a photo of the drawing that was done and then what Asmin looks like. That's... That's pretty damn close. That's it's pretty. It's like a pretty resemblance there, hey? There is. But to be fair, I mean, it's not spot on. There are some features that are not quite there. Some features are there, but some aren't. It's mostly in the eyes, I think, really, yes. right? Yeah. So I don't know. Um, that's technically, I guess, another suspect, really. Could be. So, and I mean, someone probably would have recognized if Asman was at the funeral, right? But the source says that he was not in attendance. Hmm. But they don't know who that individual is. No. Huh. No. Very interesting. And he stands out so much in that picture. It almost just seems weird. It's off to me for some reason. Not that I think it's Photoshopped or anything. It just seems random in there, this person that doesn't, that looks kind of off. Well, I mean, he probably only really looks off because we're drawn to him. We're looking at him. 
I guess. There you go. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, oh, that's there's a circle around him. He looks funny. Yeah. There's a circle <laughs> around that person. That looks off. Hmm. But if you were just to look at the photo, you probably wouldn't have even pointed him out, eh? Exactly. Okay. So next next suspect would be Penti Soinen. There isn't a lot of information in regards to this suspect. Other than he allegedly also confessed to the killings while he was serving time in prison for thefts um, for thefts and violent crimes. He would have only been 15 at the time of the murder, but was in the area at the time. The police, again, did not take his confession seriously as he had a history of drug and alcohol abuse, mental illness, and psychosis, so was seen to be unreliable. He did hang himself in 1969 while being transported between prisons. Hmm. So. That's all they have on him, though? Just that he confessed, confessed at one point? Which people do false confess all the time, which they I do. don't really understand. But, yeah. But mm. then, I mean, at the time of that murder, he was 15. Yeah. So, like, two, there was two 18-year-olds and two 15-year-old girls. Like, I can't see him. I mean, Grant, you, uh, I guess they would have been stuck in that tent. Yeah. Don't, don't uh, let oh. the 15-year-old age get to you too this much. is just like i never want to go tenting again i feel like that's horrific like you would have no chance no chance i don't think not necessarily well it'd be pretty it'd hard be fucking to tough. get out of that alive yeah. i yeah. mean nils did but okay so last but not certainly least would be our last suspect and do you have any guesses is it some vagrant dude i think you should be able to guess this one is it Nils himself? Yeah. Yeah. That's literally my next line. Nils himself. <laughs> you just said it. <laughs> so, and he was actually arrested in 2004. So 44 years after the murders. Okay. At the time, he was married with two children, living in a quiet, living a quiet life, and he was working as a bus driver. It was announced that they had re-examined the tent and other surviving evidence using modern forensic techniques and that based on the new forensic analysis they declared the case solved with the sole survivor nils now age 62 being responsible for the murders police and the prosecution claimed that nils had killed his best friend seppo and the two girls using rocks and a knife among one of the missing items from the crime scene was actually seppo's knife which they believed could have been the murder weapon but then also, like, how do they know that he didn't just maybe forget it or something? Yeah. I don't exactly. know. So they stated that his motive was sexual jealousy, that he'd been in a state of rage over Myla, and that his broken jaw was the result of a fight he got with Seppo over the girls. Being that his girlfriend, Myla, suffered the most significant injuries, this could make sense, being that the attack maybe was personal. I don't I don't think so. I this is one of the farthest things from the truth in my mind. But keep going. I'll explain why. Nils trial started on August 4th, 2005. A key exhibit exhibit in the prosecution's case was Nils shoes, which showed blood from the three murdered victims, but not a single drop of his own blood. I think it was initially believed that the killer had worn Nils shoes or something um, and then hidden them since they were found 500 yards away from the tent, which is sort of odd. When Nils was found, he was on top of the tent barefoot. With this new development, the prosecution was saying that Nils 
Nell's injuries must have occurred at a different time than the attacks of the others. And that because of this, Nils must have committed the murders, faked the theft of missing items by hiding them, further injured himself, and then went back to the tent where, now barefoot, he pretended to be unconscious. (laughs) You're just like staring at me like I'm saying something completely ridiculous. No, there's some weight to this. I'm I'm just listening. Is is that it or is there more? No, because now there's like the defense. Okay, let's hear it. So Nell's defense lawyer argued that the murders were the work of someone from the outside and that Nils would have been incapable of killing three people given the extent of his own injuries. So to refresh your memory, his injuries consisted of a broken jaw, head wound, concussion, and a deep gash to his face. The lawyer mentioned they were also too severe to have been self-inflicted because that was another thing. Maybe he just self-inflicted his injuries. Mm-hmm. They said he was in the tent with the others when an unknown person approached, cut the tent ropes, causing it to collapse, and then began attacking them through the fabric as they lay trapped. They stated that traces of Nils' blood was found inside the tent and that he was vict- a victim along with the others. Okay. <laughs> Am I good to go now? Yeah, go okay. ahead. So there is some some possibility of that that being the case but i think it's very very slim and i'm going to tell you the main reason why i think this is not the possibility okay go ahead. so they say that he had a broken jaw correct correct and then among that he had things like concussion concussion gash in his face that sort of thing yeah so the theory for it being him as the murderer he would have had to have gotten in a fight over the jealous lover the situation right yeah so okay he got in a fight at some point got his jaw broken this would have most likely have had to have happened before. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. And if it does happen before, again, it doesn't make sense. So you're telling me either A, they got in a fight while everyone is inside the tent and broke his jaw and he manages to kill everybody and then fakes the scene by cutting the strings and everything afterwards. Not going to happen. That mm-hmm. just does not make sense. Or scenario B, they get in a fight prior to his jaw is broken and then everyone goes and sleeps in the tent all cuddled up together and he is left outside and then attacks them when he most likely has a concussion or something too on top of it. Yeah. So they're all going to just cuddle up and be okay with him outside in a broken jaw and then he's the attacker. I don't think so. Well, I mean, in one article too stated like that his feet weren't dirty. So he's like running around hiding shit all over the place. Like I just, or like, would Seppo not have had like I mean I guess Seppo could have got an injury to his hand if he had punched Nils right mm-hmm. but he could have got an injury to his hand during the actual attack too so yeah. I it does not make sense to me one iota it does seem odd though that his shoes the shoe situation does seem like a bit odd to me it does but I mean someone murdering all these teens like this, I'm sure isn't quite all there and gosh knows what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. So, sorry, there was blood found in his shoes? The shoe, yeah, his shoes had all three victims' okay. blood, but gotcha. not his own. Gotcha, okay. Um, so, what about this as a theory? Because he was the one out fishing, right? No, no. It was, oh, he wasn't? It was Seppo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. But then some people say there were some people that speculated too that maybe like Nils was trying to get like his girlfriend to have sex with him or whatever and she didn't want to. And then Seppo had to like intervene and 
So I don't know. I mean, no one's really going to know what exactly happened. No, but I don't think it was one of the the kids themselves. I don't think that one of them is responsible for this. I think it is an outside source. Well, yeah, to all of a sudden just have that much aggression yeah. when you haven't really had any signs of that prior to does seem a lot. I mean, he was drinking and stuff, but I mean, that I'm sure that wasn't the first time he was drinking. Yeah. And there, there's some things that that line up too much with Carl for it to be one of the kids. For You're example. still team Carl. Eh? I, I am still team Carl, but I'm not saying for sure it's Carl now. What I'm saying is that these kids were not from the area, right? Because everyone said no one from the area would camp there because they know about Carl. Yeah, but they weren't that far away. Like, I think they said that the drive took them half an hour or so. Okay, but, but I guess it's not their specific area. So they're not necessarily familiar with the area because if they were, they wouldn't camp there. Yeah, and I we don't think that. they had been there much prior to maybe once just to check it out, I think was yeah. all. So if they don't know this information, they don't know things about like cutting the the tent strings, for example. Yeah. Someone who's setting up this scene to make it look like it was someone else who did it. Yeah, they would cut the tent strings to make it look like Carl did it. If they knew, he didn't know. Why would he do something so specific then? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they did have that encounter with Carl early on, right? So mm -hmm. I mean, maybe they did something that pissed him off or something, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm so. still team Carl, but I'm not saying... It was just Carl. I think he might have been in it with the Asman guy. I think they might have both done it. Maybe it was an, a, an accumulation. Maybe the one Asman dude was spying on him or whatever and saw Carl come over and cut the tent strings, run away laughing. And then <laughs> yeah. Asman was just like, I'm going to just finish the job. Yeah, but as a serial killer, that wouldn't be that fun for him. Why not? Because now it's going to be pinned on the other guy who already cut the uh, strings. I guess. And then... Carl could have been in a drunken stupor and woke up the next morning and saw that they were dead. And he's like, what the fuck did I do last night? I killed these kids. Yeah, he could have legitimately believed that he did. I yeah. don't know. Holy heck. Now that, that is my theory. Carl cut the tent strings, did his normal thing, whatever. And then someone, Asman, jumped on the opportunity. And then Carl believed he must have done it because what else would have happened? Yeah. That's my theory. It was... It was the two of them. Maybe they were working together and it was planned, but maybe it was just the happenstance that that worked out that way. Yeah. Okay. Now, like my brain, I'm just like, I don't know. I was, I'm not a hundred percent sure that it wasn't Nils, to be honest, but I more so think that it wasn't him. But the Carl does make it makes sense, but it doesn't because, like, I to just like he kind of just like teased people more. So like in an asshole way, he teased yeah. them, but he never had like, I don't know, just to tease someone and then go to that aggression is just like night which, and day. Which is why I think he might have just cut the tent strings, ran away. Then the other guy took care of it. And yeah. then Carl was like, what the fuck did I do? I mean, yeah. Cause that other guy had murdered other campers mm -hmm. at one point in time. So that's my theory. Okay, so on October 7th, 2005, Nils was acquitted of all charges. On the grounds that the prosecution evidence was inconclusive, they failed to show an appropriate motive for such an extreme crime, and given so much time had passed, the facts now seemed like impossible. Mm -hmm. He was awarded 44,900 euros, so about 58,000 USD in damages for the mental suffering, mental suffering and was and the way that he was treated by the police and the media. If he didn't do it, it sure seems sh shitty to survive something so brutal 
that I'm sure you struggle with on a daily basis and then get blamed for it and have your name drug through the mud. Yeah. And I think if he did do it, though, me personally, not saying he didn't, but I think there's a very, very small chance it was him. If he did do it, he is very lucky the police botched that scene. Yeah. I mean, anyone that did this is very lucky. Yeah. So. There's one more thing that doesn't add up to me with him, though, because he had his head hit with a rock. Presumably he had a concussion, right? Yeah. So he would have either had to have run around and hit all this stuff prior to and then hit his head with a rock and had the concussion and just lay there. So they would have been able to find the rock right beside him. Or he hit himself in the head with the rock and then ran around and did all this stuff. Which is like not very plausible for someone with a head injury. And then, I mean, if he was just running around hiding all this stuff, I feel like some of the things would have been found. Yeah. He probably wouldn't have been running that far. Yeah. And considering none of those items were found, that's just very odd. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like someone had to physically have taken them from the site. I agree. So. The spot where the three Finnish teens were brutally murdered is still a campground today with the legend of the Bodum murderer fearing the generations since. Being that this case is over 60 years old, it's unlikely it will ever get solved. The perpetrator is most likely of old age or already deceased. Damn, that is a wild case. My mind is going a mile a minute. That case is also very much so um, compared often to the one, the very first one we did. Dyatlov Pass? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a little bit similar and... Well, it's reminiscent of the the tent, right? Yeah, and that it's kind of older and it doesn't seem like there's any likelihood that it's going to get solved. But, you know, you never know. You yeah. never know. Well, there is a case known as the the American version of the Diatlov oh, Pass. Oh, yeah, you had mentioned that to me the other day. Um, and I think I'm going to be doing that case here pretty quick. We've had it uh, recommended to us uh, a few times. So I think it's going to be coming down the pipe soon. I don't know how soon, but it, it will be one that I cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah, well done. That was definitely a case that is usually up my alley. I know. Unexpected for you to cover it. Well, it was supposed to be your week, so I was like, I'm going to be Ben. It was supposed to be my week? What the hell? Well, I mean, doing the case. So I was like, I'm going to just be Ben today. Was it supposed to be my week? I think so. But that's okay. I just just did the Patreon episode, though. (laughs) You have have definitely got me out of thick water sometimes, so. Yeah. So I do appreciate it. Um, and speaking of episodes over on Patreon, if you want to sign up on Patreon, get those exclusive episodes that drop the last day of every month. You can head over there. You can get some behind the scenes. You can take part in that little cool contest we're running there too. Well, yeah, we just dropped one on there that you that you did. And I think we only had hinted at that. So do you want to say what it was? I can't remember what it was. <laughs> oh my <laughs> what was it? Shit. What oh was it? Oh my gosh. I literally can't remember. I'm blanking. My mind has been everywhere with trying to get ready for this trip. Oh, God. What was it? Do you remember? No. You don't remember either. <laughs> How can you be giving me that much shit? Oh, my God. Life of true crime podcast. I know. I can't we're remember. Just, yeah. Well, we go through so many cases You all wouldn't the time. want us detecting uh, or being detectives on a case, apparently. No kidding. We would botch that scene in a heartbeat. Holy. <laughs> Um, anyways, the Patreon. Oh, well, that's right. It was Stephen Melky, the blindfolded death. Oh gosh. That's yeah, right. that was. Whew. Yeah. So if you want to go hear that episode, we just dropped it the other day. So, but yeah. if you don't, if you don't want to sign up for Patreon, that's totally cool. We appreciate you being here all the same. But if you do want to check out some other links, all of there in, in the description of this podcast, including Patreon, website, merch, you name it. It's all down below. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, well done on today's episode. That was awesome. And we'll make sure that we see you guys here coming soon with some more true crime coming down the pipe. There we go. And of course, as always, stay wicked. Listen to this ACAST show ad-free on Amazon Music with your Prime membership or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.